This week, I felt the Lord directed me to preach on one of the most important subjects in the Word of God beyond the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's, that's the central theme of, of the word. But then beyond that, this subject is probably maybe the most important, or at least one of the most important. One of the most important subjects. Jesus put it like this. Just, just after he had taught his disciples concepts about prayer, in the Lord's Prayer, he said in Matthew 6, 14, But if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. The title of my message today is, From Your Hearts, Forgive. Now, notice verse 15 of what I've just read in Matthew 6. If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not. Not, perhaps won't. Perhaps it's a roll of the die. You, you might get lucky. No. It says, if you refuse to forgive others, He will not forgive your sins. Now that makes forgiveness awfully important. I mean, it makes it right up there. It's vital to your eternal salvation. The enemy of your soul works so hard against forgiveness in your life and in your thinking. We get caught up in our hurts and in the things that Others have done and said against us and we focus on our thoughts and we focus on our feelings and we develop a list of wrongs that have happened to us and sometimes that list continues to grow and names get added to it and sometimes we wear that list like a badge of honor. And all the while forgiveness has gone out the window. You see, I really believe, I really believe it's a trick of the devil to get us to put forgiveness of others on hold. It's the work of the enemy to get you to think that you can avoid forgiving someone that has wronged you. Now, this message from your heart, forgive. I've preached it seven previous times at this church in 23 years I've preached it seven times before early in my ministry here I made up my mind that every few years I would come back and preach this message because it's so important your eternal life hangs on it 
because you can't go to heaven with sin in your heart. If you don't have the forgiveness of Jesus, you're not going to heaven. It's plain and simple. And Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you don't get forgiveness. Now, I've worked on this message. I don't think I'm just, you know, hunting. I've worked on this. I spent as much time yesterday going over this message and, and, uh, and uh, working on it. And as I did, if I was preparing a new one, a brand, a brand new one, do fresh one, you know, just from, from the ground up. And quite frankly, this message has grown so much with so much material. That when I got done yesterday, I looked at this and I said, oh, there's 10 pages of notes here. And not 10 pages of, you know, of fluff, 10 pages of solid material. That takes a while. I knew I had a good hour. <laughs> good job, Thomas. Toodles for you. <laughs> So what I did is I cut it in half. And that's why it, it says, if you see underneath uh, forgive, it says part one. Part two is next week. Because I didn't want to keep you here an hour. I know I, I have preached long uh, since the first year. I've, I've had a couple long messages. And I really, I really don't want to do that. Um, but forgiveness is something that we must be reminded about regularly. It must be kept foremost in our thinking and in our relationships. Oh, because it's so easy to hold grudges. It's so easy to keep score. It's easy to hold someone else's feet to the fire. You fail to realize the damage that you doing to yourself and to others when you refuse to let something go. Some people in their marriages are hanging on to things that happened years ago. They're bringing up mistakes of the past and you're waving them in front of your spouse's face every so often. That's the exact opposite of forgiveness. In your relationships, perhaps here at the church or on the job or at school or in the community, you've been wounded, you've been hurt, somebody's done something, you nurse your wounds, you hold on to the hurt feelings, you hang on to the grudges. You don't let go of events and incidents that happened years ago or maybe it's just months ago, who knows. But I have come to challenge you today. I've come to challenge you to become a forgiver. Understand something. You will never be called upon to be more like Christ than when you forgive. 
Now you think about that for just a moment. Because you know, we, we sing to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. We talk about being like Christ. We talk about walking with him. We talk about having the mind of Christ. I'm telling you that forgiving people is, is the most important thing you can do to become like Christ. You'll never be called upon to be more like Christ than when you say, I forgive. And also think about this, you'll never exhibit more godlike qualities than you do when you forgive. You'll never exhibit Christ to someone else in a greater way than, than you will through forgiveness. In Matthew, the 18th chapter, Simon Peter came to Jesus. And he was interested in the subject of reconciliation. Perhaps he'd heard, heard Jesus teach on it. And Peter asked Jesus about forgiveness. He said in uh, Matthew 18, verse 21, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Now you'll see here, Simon Peter was... You know, he was eager to learn about forgiveness, but he was also wanting to put limits on forgiveness. I mean, the Jews, especially in the day of Jesus, were good at this. They wanted to be seen as good people, but they wanted clearly defined limits of goodness and mercy. They wanted to know exactly how it's supposed to be. How about seven times, Jesus? Jesus said in verse 22, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Now, what Jesus was not saying was that you are to keep track and when you get to 491, got my list, okay, that's, that's, that's 489. That's 490. Okay, you're out of forgiveness. Ah, 491. Out. No, no, he wasn't. That's not what he was saying. He was saying that forgiveness is to be unlimited. Sort of like when you tell your child, I've told you a million times to pick up your shoes. Are you sure it was a million? Or was it 999,999? Do you have one or two more before you get to a million? That's what Jesus was doing. That's what he was saying. He was saying no limits, just forgive. And then he began to talk about uh, what we call the parable of the unforgiving servant. Uh, now, now, keep in mind, Jesus didn't announce his text like we do. Okay, now we're going to have the parable of the unforgiving servants. No, he just began to talk to them. And he took, he took everyday situations and, every, and everyday uh, realities of life and put them together and related them to people to illustrate truths. And he told them, uh, he began this parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he began to reckon, one was brought to him which owed him 10,000 talents. 
But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had to and payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him and saying, Lord, have patience on me and I will pay thee all. And the Lord was of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. And he owed his master 10,000 talents and he begged for forgiveness and he got it. But verse 28 says the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and he took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought, besought him saying, have patience with me and I'll pay thee all. Does this sound familiar? I mean, he, this servant, that the, the one that was... Uh, that had the money owed to him now had just been done the same thing to his master. And now his fellow servant's fallen down and asking for the same mercy. Verse 30, but he would not. And he went and cast him into prison. It was a debtor's prison. You know, back at those times and even in early, uh, in, in, you know, up until, what, 15, 16, 1700, if you didn't pay your debts, you actually went to jail. Kind of counterproductive, isn't it? You know, well, you can't pay, so we're going to put you in prison. And he cast him in prison, had him arrested and put in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants, verse 31, saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and, and told their Lord all that was done. But his, but his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, he called him in and said, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And the Lord was wroth. And delivered him to the tormentors, for he should pay all that was due him. Now, you, you read the story and you think, well, you know, talents and pence. And he owed talents and he owed, he owed, uh, he owed 100 pence. He owed 10,000 talents. Well, what's all that mean to us? Let me, let me break it down for you. The servant that was called before his Lord and owed his Lord money, owed his Lord two and a half million dollars. Now, if somebody owed you two and a half million dollars, would you like to collect? I mean, that would be a game changer if somebody owed you two and a half million dollars, wouldn't it? And the amazing thing, he asked for forgiveness and his Lord, obviously his Lord was far wealthier than, than all of you. But I don't know, some of you may have, you know, four, five, six million dollars stashed away. He's not telling us, but, uh, you know, uh, I mean, you 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 gotta have you gotta have a little you, you gotta have a lot of money to be able to forgive somebody for of two and a half million dollars. But the Lord gave him his master gave him forgiveness of two and a half million dollars, and then he went out and he encountered that servant that that fellow servant that owed him the servant a hundred pence, and you know how much a hundred pence is. Two bucks. He just was forgiven of two and a half million dollars and walked down the street and wouldn't forgive somebody of two bucks. And I, this is Jesus speaking here, and I think Jesus was kind of letting us know that this is how he views it if he has 
paid for our sins and gone to the cross and forgiven us. It's more than two and a half million dollars. You can't buy salvation with all the money in the world. And yet, if we fail to forgive, it's like it's like holding somebody accountable for two bucks, even after we've been forgiven for two and a half million. I mean, two bucks. We you throw that away on a regular basis. I was walking down the streets downtown Indianapolis just about two weeks ago when I was down there on a quick business and I, I, I looked down and lo and behold, there was a dollar on the sidewalk. And yes, I picked it up. And I looked around and there, and, and there was nobody in sight. There was nobody that, that you know. And matter of fact, I had already, I had just maybe 10 minutes 10 or 15 minutes before, I had walked this way and I was coming back. And there it was and there was nobody around. And so I took the dollar. Now, I didn't go out and buy a, 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 a new house or a, uh, or, a new, uh, or, or a new car or something because I found a dollar. But, you, you know, and I'm sure the person that lost that dollar didn't, I mean, they probably wouldn't have walked back a block or two to get the dollar if they'd known they dropped it. Just, you know, it's just a buck. You see, the unforgiving spirit that sets into a heart actually does the most damage to the one who harbors it, the one who fails to forgive. Because you see, when you refuse to forgive, you have to deal with the bitterness that sets in afterward. Your emotions will be the ones on the roller coaster when you see that person, when you get in that situation, when you when you go there again, you'll 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 you'll, you'll feel the, the pulse increase, the blood pressure perhaps rise. You'll be uneasy. I've seen situations where. In my life, I was resentful or harboring something with somebody. They didn't even know I was upset. They didn't even know, and they were happy-go-lucky. It was all well and good, and here I was all stewing about it. It's what happens. Your emotions, your ill feelings, your bitterness, your anger, they keep you in bondage. They torment you. And that's just the beginning of the story. If you continue to let it grow. And this is why the enemy doesn't want you to forgive. This is why the enemy, you know, he'd rather us talk about anything else today. Except for the message of the gospel, which I've already mentioned. He'd rather, he'd rather talk about anything else because he doesn't want you to forgive. Because you know what? If you have an unforgiving spirit, there'll come a time. It won't be very long. You won't be able to pray. You won't be able, you won't be able to, to feel close to God. You'll be, you'll be emotionally tormented. You'll be bound spiritually. Notice what Jesus said as he concluded the parable of the, uh, uh, of the unforgiving servant. Matthew 18, 35. So likewise. Now, 
Remember what we're talking about. Likewise, the servant had his had uh, the servant was called back before his lord when he wouldn't forgive the two bucks, and he was called back before the lord, and the lord had him put in prison, and the lord had him tormented, and the lord made him pay the two and a half million dollars that he'd already been forgiven of. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Here it is again, that heart thing. Logan was talking about that. He, that heart thing that we've been talking about. We've got to look at our hearts. We've got to forgive from our hearts. Somewhere in the 1980s, I came across a practical application on how to forgive. And um, I, I lost the, the, the resource that I had for this. I had put it in my notes. Uh, and you actually, actually, this message, uh, this, this message I'm preaching today, and I've worked on a lot since then, but I first preached it probably around, uh, around 1987. I got a listing of the places that I have preached and taught this message, and um, and like I said, this is the eighth time here at uh, Mooresville, and you hang around for a year or two more, and three or whatever, and we'll, you'll be hearing it again because it's so important. It's so important to the body of Christ. And I came across this this information in in the mid '80s, and uh, yesterday I thought, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to give credit, I'd like to really know who this came from, where it came from, and I Googled it, and I found it. Dr. Google's pretty wonderful sometimes. Not always, you know, they don't, they don't always get it right, but I found it. And a man by the name of Dan Hamilton in 1980 put a, 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 a little booklet together called Forgiveness. And this is where I got this and, and uh, to me, and I have used this myself, and I have preached it, and I know people uh, in, in, that I have pastored have used it. But let's talk about how to forgive. There, there are, this is what is called the, the triple path to forgiveness. Number one, us isolate the facts and allow them to stand as history. Now you think about something that happens to you. You think about an error, a hurt, a wound, something that's done to you. It has two parts. It has, it has two parts. It has one, the physical act which caused the pain, the, the word that was spoken, the, the dollar that was swiped, you know, stolen. Now, swipe nowadays means you run your card in there. You know, i gotta, I got to change my vernacular. Uh, the, uh, the, the action that caused the pain, that's the first aspect. And then the second part is the physical, emotional, spiritual, and judicial responses to that act. He hit me. All right, I'll hit them. You lashed out at me, and, and if I don't lash out at you, then I'm angry and I'm upset and I go home and I begin to nurse that. And this is the emotional. And it can become a physical response that happens because I was hurt, because I was wounded. Two parts. What caused the pain and the response to the pain. Understand 
history cannot be changed. The words that were spoken were spoken. The act that was done was done. What was taken was taken. What the hurt that, that was caused, it's already caused. You can't undo it. You can't change it. Oh, I'm sure you can join me with uh, holding up your hand and saying, there's several things over life I wish I could have taken back or done differently or said differently. There might be one or two that's never had that, but most of you will join with me. I'd say probably all of us, right? Have said, done, thought, you've done something. Oh, I wish I could do that again. But you... As a person that wants to forgive, you have to isolate the facts and you have to allow it to stand as history. It happened. It's in the history books. You cannot undo it. It's just one of those things now that happened. It's history. And then the second thing you have to do is you have to send responses away. In a book entitled Grace is Not a Blue-Eyed Blonde, I bring you this quote. When you deal intimately with human beings, you wonder at times if forgiveness is not as rare as hen's teeth. People bury the hatchets that carefully tuck away the map which tells where their hidden weapon lies. We put our cold resentments in storage and Pull the switch then to let them thaw out again. Our grudges are taken out to the lake to drown them. Yes, even the lake of prayer. And then we end up giving them swimming lessons. How often have we torn up the canceled note that hang on to the wastebasket that holds the pieces? This is not to say that human forgiveness does not occur, only that it is rare And that much that passes for forgiveness is not so at all. We cannot change history, but we can change our response to it. What do we do? We pretend it didn't happen? No, we don't pretend it didn't happen. Act like it's not there? No, we don't act like it's not there. You can't do that. But you you take those responses and you take those feelings and you take those hurts and you send them away. You begin to work on canceling them and that's what the definition of forgiveness actually is. It means to send away. To cancel. And so when you've been wounded, when you've been hurt, you recognize I'm going to let this stand as history but I am now going to send my responses away. I, I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to refuse to dwell on the thought of revenge. I will not hold a grudge. I will let it go. Ephesians chapter four verse thirty-two. Notice this: Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, and evil speaking. All of those. Look at the. I, I studied these verses. I looked at that. I thought, Wow, this is this is a uh, this is this powerfully illustrates what I'm teaching right now. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. These are the things that exist when somebody gets hurt. These are the things that exist when somebody gets wounded. With all malice. What's it say? Be put away from you. Be put away. And the next verse, be ye kind 
one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, for God's sake, has forgiven you. Put away, remove each one, one by one, each response by prayer, by talking to God, you send it away. You, you, you ask God to, to, uh, to, uh, to remove the negative feelings. Talk about the anger. Talk about the malice. Talk about the resentment. Talk about the hurt. Talk to God about it. And then, of course, that doesn't, that doesn't mean sometimes, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about this next week, but that doesn't mean sometimes that you don't, the person that did the damage, did the wound, you go to, you, you go to them and you clear it up. You talk to them. We'll, we'll be dealing with that next week. But you've got to send those responses away. And the third thing you have to do, you have to understand this process before you can truly forgive. The third thing is you must cancel the penalty while assuming the cost of repairs. Oh, the war begins now, you see. When you, you, you begin to work on, you begin to work on uh, sending those responses away and not being angry and not being hurt. And the war begins. The voices in your head begin to talk to you and remind you how, how bad you were treated and how horrible it was and how it wasn't uh, fair. And then the voice says, you might want to get revenge. You, you might just want to do this. You might want to do that. Micah 6.8 says, has an interesting thing here. Verse 8. How he, show, he, he hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? We read that verse and we go, oh, that's a wonderful thing, to walk, to walk humbly with our God. And how do we do it? We do justly and we love mercy. But how do you do justly and love mercy at the same time? Because justice says, the scales get balanced. Justice says, I got to, you know, somebody, somebody wrong, then, you know, I mean, we, we use that term when somebody uh, commits a crime and they go to court and, and we say, justice was served. But what about mercy? Because when justice exists, mercy goes out the window. But if I'm going to be merciful, then then and I'm going to just show mercy, that means we're not going to worry about justice. So how can I have justice and mercy coexisting at the same time? You see, in forgiveness, you are setting someone free in mercy. And you are assuming the cost of repairs. You see, you can cancel the penalty, but you cannot cancel the price. I come to your home by your invitation, and I carelessly break your, your heirloom lamp from your great, 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 great grandmother. You can say, I'm going to forgive you. But you, for, you say, forgive me, does not have the pieces of the lamp jump back together and pop back up on the shelf. 
and you and, and, and let's say let's say I had no means whatsoever to pay for that lamp to pay to pay for the damage that was done and you as the one that I'm indebted to now you look at me and you say I forgive you and I cancel your penalty I assume the price I will assume the cost of repairs I'll, I'll get this lamp fixed I'll go find another lamp or I'll just live the rest of my life without that lamp knowing that I had it at one time but it's gone now. I'll take on those repairs myself. I'll take on the price. And in forgiveness, that's what you're doing. You're saying, I'm setting you free and I'll pay the price. I'll assume the cost of repairs. I'll take care of the matter. I didn't say forgiveness was easy. I didn't say, you know, most of the things that we have to forgive people of, you know, is really small stuff. But, you know, sometimes in life we really get wounded. People really hurt us. People damage us. I didn't say it's easy. I didn't say that it was something you don't even do overnight. And we'll be talking more about that next week as well. But I, I tell you that when you cancel the penalty, you assume the cost of repairs. And that's how justice and mercy can coexist because you are being merciful in forgiveness and you are saying, I'll take care of the, I'll take care of justice. I'll take care of the cost. I'll pay the price. And that's how justice and mercy can coexist. When you're when you forgive, you're releasing that person from the damage that they have done to you, their hurt feelings the bruised reputation, the pain and suffering that they have, they have caused you. You no longer hold them responsible. And in forgiveness, you said, I'll, I'll, I'll assume the cost of repairs. I'll, I'll go to my heavenly father. He will heal me. He will touch me. I'll, I'll, I'll work through this. I'll, I'll, let, I'll, I'll let the Holy Spirit uh, just, you know, just, Heal my my heart. I, I, and and when you speak encouragingly, encouragingly to that person that that has a, that has wounded you, you're 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 paying the price. You're assuming the cost of repairs. When you pray for them, when you refuse to be angry, when you demonstrate love, when you let the Holy Ghost heal you and you move past the situation, that's how you're assuming the cost of repairs. And isn't this exactly, exactly what Jesus Christ has done for you? Consider with me for a moment. He first loved us. This is how he forgave us. He first loved us. He isolated the facts. I think I got this on a slide. Do I have this on a slide back there? There should be one at the very last slide. This is how Jesus forgave you. He first loved us. I said last slide. Some of you are starting to put stuff up. <laughs> That's fine. I'm just... <laughs> See, it was, it's not been that long. We're wrapping it up here. He first loved us. Second of all, he, 
He isolated the facts. Your sins. He says they're history. I let him stand his history. What was it? He said in, I think it was in the Psalms, I'll remember them no more. The third thing he did, he sent responses away. He sent his judgment away. You don't have to pay for your sins. You don't have to endure the price. I'll cancel the penalty and I, on your part and I'll pay for the sins. And he paid the price at Calvary. This is exactly what he did for you. Oh, what an awesome thing he did. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Not, not their transgressions. Not somebody else's transgressions. Stand with me now. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Life is too short to be caught up in unforgiveness. Life is... Too short to be caught up and be bound by the unforgiving spirit that Jesus talked about. Sometimes the person that wronged you may not ask for forgiveness. That's okay. Go ahead and forgive them anyhow. Just, just forgive them. Just move on. Don't carry the excess baggage through life. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's not a struggle. I'm just saying make up your mind by the grace of God that I'm going to forgive. Because I'm bringing this slide we saw earlier back. I said this was the last slide. I got this. I, I was mistaken. I'm bringing this last slide to you. You'll never be called upon to be more like Christ than when you forgive. It may, it, it may take a lifetime to work on some things. And i got more to talk about that next week, too. <laughs> well, I split this into two messages. It's a, but it, may, it may take a while. I, I understand that. I understand that. Jesus understands that. But what's important for today? One thing. The next step. The next step. Wherever you're at, whatever you do. In this area of forgiveness, what's important for you to consider today? The next step that you need to take in forgiveness. You say, well, I want to get way down there. Don't worry about way down there. Just take that next step today. Whatever it is. And Jesus will honor that and he will bless you and he will help you. And then one day you'll wake up and you'll be way down. Let's, let's come around the front today and let's talk about, let's talk about forgiveness to, to God. Let's, let's open our, ask, ask Jesus, is there anybody I need to forgive? And I, and I hope that nobody has anything that needs to be forgiven, but I suspect that's not true. And let's, let's talk to Jesus just for a few moments and let's spend some time 
He has forgiven us. We're going to sing about the cross and what a what a wonderful place the cross was. It was a horrible place, but it was wonderful for our salvation standpoint. And because of the cross, we have the opportunity to be forgiven and to forgive others. Let's let's talk to the Lord as they lead us in worship now.